0: Hello and welcome to Shirts Around the Funnel, the baby brother of the popular Hearts podcast, Scars Around the Funnel. Shirts Around the Funnel looks to bring a focus on Hearts kits and seasons on an occasional basis. Welcome to episode number two. My name is Paul Mitchell and I've been talking sport professionally for a number of years and have always enjoyed the world of football kits. Alongside me on this podcast is a man whose Twitter handle is the Hearts match-worn shirt collector, Grant Young, and a little known fact, Grant and I used to share a classroom or two together. Grant, how are you? I am very well, Paul. Yes, indeed, we did. That's, uh, not yesterday either. Yeah, but I'm very no. good, thank you. That was certainly back in the day. Each episode will feature a guest, a well-kent voice connected to Hearts in some way. Well, we welcome from scars around the funnel and the voice of Hearts TV, a man kicking his heels, desperate to get back into action, Laurie Dunsire. Laurie, how are you doing?
1: I'm very good, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Absolute pleasure. We have to say, you're the big brother to the little brother of the podcast, so <laughs> we're delighted to have you along. It's been a frustrating few weeks for you, Laurie, kicking your heels on the sidelines.
1: Yes, uh, obviously with with no matches to commentate on, but I mean, hopefully they'll have at least some fans back in by the time we have football back, which at the time of recording is a little over a week away. A lot of scepticism about whether that will happen or not. But um, I think that was the big incentive to bring forward the, the winter break. And, you know, without fans, I don't think football is really the same. So that's the, the big hope.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. So what to expect over the next 45 minutes or so? We're going to discuss the kits of our chosen year, the notable aspects, use of colours, trim, sponsors, etc., etc. We'll talk about the players who most associate with the kit, memories of the season and current availability of said kit, where to find it, what the value may be, and how to spot fakes and other great kit tips. From Grant. So, we put out on Twitter what the season was to be. We were going to talk about. I think it's fair to say Grant 2014-15 was the really comfortable winner, and that's what we're going for. Yeah, indeed it was, and and in my
2: opinion, uh, quite rightly so. Uh, Both home and away are are excellent, I think. Uh, And from a fanboy of being Adidas, uh, I I was very excited when uh, the you know the kit deal a couple of years or a couple of seasons prior to this was announced. I uh, always wanted Hearts have an Adidas kit, and I think they came up trumps in the in the last year of, of the deal in in terms of the 2014 15 kit away and home. So they are they are spectacular, I think. Um, so obviously, if we if we talk about the the home kit first of all, um, the the most stunning aspect for me is the the, the no sponsor. I, I just think it, it adds to the class. It adds to the message that I think the the club were trying to trying to get across in terms of you know making it respectful uh, towards what they were trying to commemorate. You know the nineteen fourteen fifteen uh, part of that, uh, where you know they also got the the, the badge, badge. Uh, you know they had to get permission from the SFA to get that badge on there, which is a uh, completely different from their, our normal Hearts badge. Uh, you know you guys will you guys can probably visualise it. Anyone in a pod uh, listening to the Pod will will. will automatically think about the badge the the badge is stunning it's it's a sort of flock vinyl badge that's on there we've got the the woven adidas uh, on on the opposite side of that we've got a a fairly it's a fairly simple kit but very effective Uh, anything where the three stripes adidas down is pretty is pretty cool in my eyes that the little uh, details of the you know the airtex mesh across the top of the shoulders is very nice as well I also uh, on the back of the shirt I also like the, you know, the, the 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 curved name. So the name set curved always looks it looks pretty cool as well. And especially it's quite effective. I've I've got a shirt in my hand, so it's it's not really visual from a from a podcast perspective. But but the white piping, uh, I, I love the way the white piping split splits the the name set and, and the shoulders really. So I really, really um simple but effective a design for, for the home kit I think really really pleasing to eye and especially you know there, there was a couple of games during that season where it was it was really wet windy rainy and a couple of night times and, and I'm sure that the kit just got darker and just more beautiful uh, uh, uh you know as the games progressed at night time so uh, the, the effect was magic for me yeah love it love the home kit
0: Laurie, it was a million miles away, I think, from the light pink pony one that they tried to pass over as maroon at some point as well. I mean, you know, blood doesn't show in a maroon jersey. It's got to be the right shade of maroon. And I think this particular season absolutely nailed it.
1: Yes, uh, it's it's a funny one because I get what Grant's saying about uh, as the season wore on and, yes, yeah, there was wetter matches, you saw the maroon get a bit darker. I, I always thought, and I'm starting with a very pernickety thing, I always thought it was slightly lighter than it should have been. I felt, I remember having the replica of it and I thought it was a little bit light. Whereas when you see them in games when they've been sweating and it's, you know, sliding around on the greasy surface, it did seem to get a little bit darker. But that's a very, very small point. And I think mm. a lot of season's hearts have a maroon, which is maybe a tad lighter than than I would prefer. But no it's it's a it's a brilliant kit and it was very fitting as well I think because it was the 2014-15 season it was the centenary of the main stand it was uh, 100 years f- since the 1914-1915 team of course the side that much of the, the team went to um World War 1 as part of McRae's battalion and sadly seven of them didn't return uh, so it was a kind of nod to to 100 years ago. Obviously, it's not a replica kit of that, but a more traditional simple kit, the commemorative badge that that Grant mentions. I think the black socks were the big thing, which was obviously a a nod to that time as well, because Hearts have generally had the maroon socks with their kits, whereas um, during that period, and I think for a decade or two after that, it tended to be black socks, so maroon shirt, white shorts, and black socks. So I really liked that, how fitting it was. It was It was both a a nod to the past but also it was a dawn of a new era for for hearts as well of course after having come out of admin um and yeah adidas i agree with grant it's a really they always seem to produce very classy kits uh quite simple i quite like the simplicity you know it's a bit of an old style sort of collar but the adidas um the lines the adidas lines that you get at the top i think it frames it quite well at the top just the white so it's not it's not pure mood it does have that white piping at the top Um, it's just a really nice kit I think and uh, I think it showed the popularity I had to remind myself uh, by going to the Hearts Archive and looking and um, prior to that season the most pre-orders they'd had in a kit were 400 and they had to stop pre-orders early May because they got to uh, 4,000 for this one and uh, the one prior to that was the start of 2012 2013 in the wake of the 5-1 Cup went over Hibs they got the pre-orders so look there's probably been many seasons where you didn't get pre-orders so it's maybe got to be taken with a little bit of context but I think that showed the the popularity of the kit and also the the feeling around the club at the time because it was it was the dawn of a new era so I think it all kind of came together very nicely
0: in terms of being on the field, of course, hearts had been relegated. They were playing in the championship for the first time since the 82-83 season. And I'm, I'm not saying the kit made it feel better, but a good kit launch grant actually helped. And, you know, as, as Laurie mentioned, you know, if you're looking at normal four 500 pre-orders and you're getting 4,000, you're doing something right. And I think it almost set, set the right tone for the season.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, they 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 just seem to get everything right, and 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 Laurie's alluded to that as well. So preparation, both on and off the park, seemed to be you know spot on. Um, and as you uh, you know as you're saying there, Paul, yeah, we got off to a perfect start, didn't we?
0: In that well, it tip. was it was. I mean, it was an interesting. You mean know, the the championship? I think everybody expected Hearts would have to go to Rangers on opening day. They did so, and they won by two goals to one. Laurie, they then followed that up. You know, with a victory over Hibbs, I mean, that was arguably the two toughest league games to open back to back. And yet Hearts were sitting on six points.
1: Yeah, it's one of those where I think it actually suited Hearts in a way that they started with those types of fixtures, not just to set the tone, but I think because Hearts knew what was coming for the season ahead for a lot longer. I mean, Hibbs obviously got dragged into it and they only went down through the playoffs. I think Rangers had been hoping to go up. So in terms of planning for what league they were in, I thought Hearts were well ahead of the game with that in terms of the, they made signings very early in the summer. I think they came out of admin right at the start of June. Um, they made quick changes with Robbie Nielsen coming in. So throughout the summer, they were building that team and getting ready, whereas I felt that Rangers and the Hibs were in a bit more of disarray, which seems, it seems odd to say, considering we were the side that literally came out of administration two months before the season started. So I think it helped. There was a really good feeling around Hearts, whereas there was a lot of disappointment around Ibrox and Issa Road about what had happened with their seasons. But it was a, a very positive feeling um, in terms of the fans, I think in terms of coaching and players as well, because it was start of a new era. So I think it suited Hearts that they were much more prepared for the start of that season and where, where they were in terms of the division and the team. And it showed in the games. You know, uh, the win at Ibrox was fantastic, and I think especially considering Hearts got pegged back almost at the death of the game, and it looked like Rangers. You know, I have to admit, even being there, having watched Hearts for many years, when Rangers equalise at the end of the game, I'm thinking, "Oh no, are we even going to get a point now? But are they going to kick on?" But no, we just <laughs> we just ran up the other side of the pitch and scored again, which was um, a nice a nice novelty to have. And, yeah, the momentum carried on to the Hibs game and it carried on, well, pretty much until, what, the end of January, I think.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. You mentioned, you know, players coming in, Magaro Gomez, James Keating, El Hassanui, Neil Alexander came in to be between the sticks, Jamie McDonald having departed for Falkirk. Ali Morsturk, who we'll talk about in a moment, came in from Traps one 4 Principal Abin came up from Carlisle United. Osman So was to come in from Crystal Palace and, well he was to get a dozen goals that, that season. Adam Eckersley came in as well in August. So there there was some interesting transfers in. The Awake kit. now I'm not a big fan of Hearts using blue in their awake kit. So Grant, talk talk me through their awake it.
2: Yeah, I mean again, I, I think it, it, it's simple in design. I, I love that sort of Argentina style. I, I love the I love the, the, the you know the, the badge it, it, for me it stands out on that kit as well. Just because of the, you know the 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 blue light blue and and the white, I like the black Adidas centrally. We had this conversation the last uh, you know the, the last podcast where this this the central location the the, the 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 you know the, the Adidas logo looked, looked superb. And for me, I I really really like the the foundation of hearts uh, you know logo. I, I think it just sets it off. It means a lot to the fans and i know that some people have said you know they prefer it without the logo but i think with a logo it just adds that touch of class and it you know it's important that that, that was on that shirt and it's it's just grown arms and legs and the popularity of that shirt is unbelievable again it's got the you know the airtex at the top black adidas they've got the trim right simplicity but again like the the home shirt very effective and i think when you you watch the team play i, I just think again it just makes them look athletic. It makes them look strong. I, I just like the look and feel of the shirt, and I liked it when the when the squad, you know, when the, the team were going out in that shirt as well. So that for me, it's it's, it's a great shirt. I, I just love it.
0: Is there an awkwardness about the position of the Hearts badge, given the fact that the foundation is right in the middle? Gives you that real burst <laughs> of maroon in the middle. The Adidas being above it. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just not convinced <laughs> that. The, the symmetry in me, I'm, I'm just wondering if the, the badge should have been on the white stripe rather than straddling both the blue and the white as well. And your thoughts? I, I
2: I like the badge. It it splits, It splits, doesn't it? It splits across the white and the blue. So it pops out. You know, the the badge, yeah, you guys have got something about symmetry, haven't you? You know, it has to yeah. be uh, clean light. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I think it's good. I, yeah, I like the badge where it is. Yeah, in answer to your question. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. that. That shirt is almost perfection for an AWACA,
0: I think. Lonnie, where do you stand on hearts using blue as an colour?
1: Mixed feelings on it. I mean, I'm not, I've am not. i not been a massive fan of some of the completely sky blue efforts. I, I'm never entirely sure how it works with maroon, um, to be honest. In terms of this one, I was having a look at a wee comparison because the other two that jump out in terms of using should we say Argentina style, or at least the shirts being blue and white stripes um, is 95, 96. And we might get into these at some point, so I won't spend too long, but 95, 96, they had maroon shorts with it and the white socks. I always think of that looking back. I mean, videos of the Scottish cup semi-final against Aberdeen with that kit. And then it's 2010, 2011 when it was again, um, sky blue and white stripes albeit the sky blue was more dominant than the white in that one which I really didn't think worked um and it was sky blue shorts and white socks so I'd actually see as a kit away from hearts I don't mind it I agree I think the foundation logo I think it's great that it's on there and um it's it's poignant in many ways but in terms of it works on the kit I think it works better without it um no I mean if we're being cynical and talking yeah, about it yeah, as a yeah. kick, I mean it has to be there but uh I'm I'm in between I don't mind. this one has actually grown on me in the years of past I I wasn't a massive fan that season but now we we'll look at it I think it's better than a lot of our away kits. But I'm I'm kind of boring when it comes to away kits. I like hearts to just have a white shirt, maroon maroon shorts, and white socks. But then from a commercial aspect, you kind of just do that every season because no one's yeah. going to keep buying the same kit. Um but I thought it was quite good. You know, I'll quickly one thing about the two kits, I'll quickly quote Anne Budge from from that season on them both, which I think shows the, the reasoning behind a lot of things in the kits. And she says, um, First and foremost, we remember the sacrifices of the brave young men who answered the call to join McRae's battalion in the Great War and paid the ultimate price for their bravery. It's a fitting tribute to honour them with a 1914 commemorative strip. 2014 also marks a turning point in the club's history as we enter a new era of optimism and revival, and it is appropriate that we recognise and celebrate the achievement and loyalty of our fans whose contributions through the foundation of hearts have helped save the club. We are saying an enormous thank you by dedicating an away strip to the foundation of Hearts. It is a small but significant gesture, a badge that can be worn with pride by our players, by our fans, and by the wider audience who are looking on at what the club is achieving with admiration. Taking the decision to dedicate our home and away strips was an easy one to make, given the importance of marking the past and looking with hope to the future.
0: Yeah, I don't think I can disagree with a word of that. It was terrific from Hearts. In, in terms of... If you were seeking this this kit, if we, if we talk about the away kit, what's yep. the availability of the one with the foundation badge against the one without the foundation badge? They, they
2: do come up quite regularly. Um, and it, it's mixed, isn't it? So I, I've seen a sort of, it's probably a 50-50 mix, to be honest. Um, I, think, I think the one with the badge, and, and, and Laurie's got a good point there, actually. I think as time has gone on, I think this kit has become much more popular. At the time, it was a bit of a hmm, maybe, maybe not. But now, I think a lot of people are trying to get into a collection or or wear it at fives or or however they want to buy, it, you know, whatever reason are buying their kit. Um, so it, it's fa- it, it, it's fairly wide, you know, widely available. Uh, match kits may be a bit trickier in terms of um, whether you know it's a, you know, th- th- there's not so many fakes out there. I don't think in terms of the the, the um, you know the kit itself. Um, but the way, and, and there's no difference, you know, the way kit, especially, there's no difference between the kit that was in the shop or the kit that the players wore. Um, so the only way you'd know that is if you got, you, you know, you, you know, the sizes that the players wore. So for ah, instance, right. that season, You're
1: massive.
2: Cal, Callum Patterson wore a small. Did he? Yeah. So if you if you notice a couple of there's quite a lot of photographs of Callum when he's he's jumping in the air. So action shots or he's, uh, you know, he's he's going up for a head or or he's, you know, diving for a shot. And he's he's, the strip is so small for him that it's literally every photograph you see. It's either up to his stomach or it's riding up his back. (laughs) And it seemed to be I don't know. I think I think Danny Granger's got a lot to do with this. He seemed to be the person that started wearing kits that were a size too small. And then, yeah, they, they are tiny sizes. Well, they're they're not tiny sizes, but the, the the trend seemed to be that players wanted to wear a kit that was at least one or two. In Callum Caparison's case, it must have been two sizes too small for him at least,
1: because he's not he's not a small guy either.
2: No, is... he's giant. Oh, so, that's huge <laughs> Because
1: I I always think of footballers wearing bigger <laughs> kits than what than what their sizes are. Because I would wear, I usually wear like a reasonably trim kit just because I'm I'm not running about playing football yeah. normally. But I always think a footballer's like the only match worn um, shirt I have is from Julian brellier And it's like XL. And Brellier wasn't yeah. particularly big. He was a kind yeah. of average, normal size guy. So I always think a footballer's wearing quite big kits. But that's yeah. interesting if he was wearing an actual small, because yeah. that's
2: but I think going back to Brelli, I think you're right, Laurie. I think most of the people wore you know, most of the players wore larger XL. Right. And then, as I say, I think it was Danny Granger. I don't know if you ever noticed, but when, when Danny came to the club, the shirt always seemed a bit, not that, I, you know, I'm not I'm not eyeing up <laughs> men in any way, the, the size, but the, the shirt got smaller. And I, I don't know whether that was because, so you couldn't grab the shirt, so, you, you know, you, it, was, it was more difficult to tug. And then that seemed to set a trend. From that season onwards, I would say that players almost wore a size down from what they actually were. I suppose if you're, you're a fit man, you're maybe wanting to show yourself off a bit as well. Who knows?
0: <laughs> well, that, that, that's why I wear an extra small, just to show the, <laughs> the rippling torso. That's <laughs> why I triple XL. <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, before we talk a little bit more about this in terms of shirts in your collection, uh, Grant, uh, yep. you were holding one up earlier. Do you have a couple of match worn from that, from that year? I do, yeah. I've got... Um, I've got Danny
2: Wilson's from the Rangers game, actually, who I, I got from a, a, a contact, and I have that's a home shirt, and I have a, 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 a McHattie home shirt, and then away kit. I've got I've got a few, so I've got I, I sponsored Callum Patterson for that season, so I've got his home kit, uh, a away kit, sorry, and a, and a couple others, uh, Billy King, I think, and uh, Mister Keaton's, which uh, is maybe not so popular as it was then, uh, and <laughs> Scott Robinson. So yeah, I, I've got a couple of couple of kits in that in that season, yeah.
0: Fantastic. The season itself, I mean, hearts were rolling along. Um, They'd done really well. You know, they they were unbeaten. They'd drawn at Dumbarton, which was the only slip up. Dumbarton came to Tynecastle in October, got thumped by five goals to one. Uh, Interesting. I I like this as a a football commentator. When you get five goals in a game, it's all different players who score. Because normally you get somebody with a double, but it was so blabbered. Holt, Patterson and King. And then came that famous day at Easter Road. Now, my position that day back in 2014 was actually at Wembley stadium, watching the NFL. Yeah. I had to turn <laughs> down the chance to do the game for the BBC, which annoyed me intensely, but I was down there. So Malonga puts Hibs ahead just before the interval. Patterson gets sent off 79 minutes and I'm watching the American football. I'm with a Hibs fan. I'm watching the, you know, the, the stuff come through. And then I get, you know, the, the, the text of my son, just as my friend, discovers that Osterk has, has popped in the winner. My son tells me it's a spectacular goal. It's absolutely incredible. I've got to see it. And when I see it, and, and please, the haters, don't hate on me. I just went, mm, it's all right. What on earth was the goalkeeper doing? Because surely if that had been... And, and this is part of the problem of being a commentator. Uh, and when I, I am neutral, and I, and I will stress that I'm neutral, that I always look at goals from the other side as well. And if you were a Hibs fan, you would have been furious at that goal going in. That's me being the grumpy me. Laurie and Grant, tell me why it was such a good goal.
1: I Mean he, he's, he's forty yards out. It, it, there's a lot of when you see it from when you see it from behind. There's a lot of movement on the ball as well. To be fair, and I I agree. If if you're a Hibs fan, um, you're looking at. Oxley was in goals, wasn't he? Um yeah. you're you're looking at his positioning and the fact he could maybe readjust to get there. But apart from anything, I don't think the hips keeper is expecting the heart centre back to crack a shot that good from 40 yards with with minutes to go. So I think you've still got to get it's a, I think it won goal of the goal of the year, didn't it? Um I think you've got to give it a fair bit of credit as well. There's there's a lot of movement, a lot of dip, nicely clips off the top of the bar, so it's at the furthest furthest point up in the air that the keepers are gonna to have to try and reach to. So I think it's a, I think it's a very good goal and I made everyone around me aware of that, including the Hibs commentary team who were immediately behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, how did, how did
0: you see it or not see it going? We, we were at Easter game? Road.
2: So we, I, I, you know, we always go, I don't go to lots and lots of away games, but always go to Easter Road uh, just in case something happens that's really exciting. It's the, it's the case that I, I never want to miss out. So I've only, I think the last time I missed uh, Easter Road was when I was on my honeymoon, um, and that's about 20 odd years ago or something. So the view we had Turk's goal was there was three of us standing there. And I think like everyone else, uh, you know, you saw Ozturk run running and you're going, oh, I turned around to my wife and said, he's not going to shoot, is he? And then he, he, he lets his shot, shot off and we didn't see it go in. Just because of the angle, we saw it dip in and the, the, all the fans jumped up. And, and just the, the angle we were at, I didn't see it going in it, And all I saw was the heart support go, just jump up in unison. And that was it. So yeah, no, I I, I cannot criticise that goal whatsoever. It was a uh,
0: an absolute belter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I
0: I come under intense criticism in my own household. You're just time. you're just better that
1: you weren't there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I was I was in hospitality at the NFL in Wembley. Believe me, it wasn't a bad place to be. If you're going to miss an Edinburgh derby. You know, go to an NFL game and enjoy fine hospitality. It was a wonderful, wonderful day yeah. <laughs> from, from that point of view. But it, it, it just it let, it let hearts roll on. You know, I mean, I mean, again, later on that month, you know, they then beat Rangers at Tynecastle. But coming back to Mr. Osterk, if we thought the goal was a fluke, he then banged and won the following week against Ro- Wraith Rovers to win 1-0 at Tynecastle.
2: Yeah, and Laurie, you, you'll remember that if you were commentating that game. I think every time Oosthuizen got near the halfway line, the, the whole lot of fire, the whole lot of crowd shouted "shoot," didn't they? And eventually, oh, I think that was the rest
1: of his career. Pretty much at Hearts, wasn't it? Just <laughs> try and shoot whenever he is. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, if I remember rightly, like the keeper was more questionable with that one as well. Yeah, because he did it. Yeah. Um, he did it three times, pretty much from range. I think was the cowden Beath. Was it the cowden Beath goal? Was quite far out as well. I'm going to talk about that
0: cowden Beath game in just a moment because that that was something else. I mean, Hearts just rolled their way along. You know, they, you know, they then got the one-each at home um, where Cummings had put Hibs ahead. So that the New Year's Day derby, they then won at Uh The Rangers game didn't go ahead. And then, and the, the, this I find qu- quite amusing... I was doing an awful lot of premiership games at the time, and I was very rarely at Tynecastle. But I was given the Hearts Falkirk game on the 24th of January, um, to which my eldest son went to. Uh, And, of course, Hearts got beat for the first time that season. I was obviously the jinx there. And I remember, you know, my, my eldest moaning all the way back to the car about how bad Hearts had been. I'm thinking, it's the 24th of January. Hearts are unbeaten to this point. I think you've actually got to enjoy it because if anything, statistics usually get it right. Very, very few teams go through a season unbeaten. Um, Zifuk scored after two minutes, Baird with a penalty after 33. Rory Loy, who's now one of my sidekicks at the BBC, scored after 52. Keating scored and then Craig sealed it with 10 minutes to play. I mean, it was going to happen at some point, but you never like it on the moment that it actually happens.
1: No, but I mean, it's it's like last season, the start of the campaign, and again, I was getting drawn into thinking of wow, we we could go through the season unbeaten. But it, it's it's very tif- difficult, even if you are in the second tier. And it was a second tier, and we've got to remember, compared to last campaign, it was a really strong championship. I mean, not just Rangers and Hibs, but Falkirk were a good side then. Rovers weren't bad. Queen of the South had a decent season. There was. A lot of quality in the championship that season, and I think that game, if if I remember rightly, it was actually a very good game. Um, yes, Falkert, it was. Falkirk mm. were actually excellent that day, and Hearts could easily have won the game, but Falkirk were the ones who ones who took the the chances when they needed to. And in some ways, although we had a few big wins in the couple of months before then. Hearts had not been stuttering, but they lost their form a little bit, I felt, in terms of performance-wise. They'd ground out a few results, and I felt in some ways that got the monkey off the back in some ways. It's like, right, we're not going to go unbeaten. Um, they were still comfortably ahead at the top, and I think that kind of the second wind happened after that, I felt. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. I mean, it didn't didn't have any real impact on the end result for the season, but aye, in the moment, you're a bit disappointed because you have those dreams of ending the season without defeat.
0: Hearts then rattled off wins away at Alloa, away at Livingston, home to Livingston, back to back matches, then at Queen of the South, and then came the end of February. Quite a remarkable game. And again, I talk about statistics because these games simply don't happen very often. If it was a common occurrence, we'd see it a lot. But Hearts 10, Cowdenbeath nil. And I remember uh, I was asked to, to, to provide the voice for the highlights for the BBC, and we actually had to do it as what we would call a voiceover rather than a commentary because we didn't have time. You know, we were a certain amount of time, so I literally had to do a voiceover because commentary, you see the replays coming in and all that. We we just didn't have time in the program to do that. And uh, Zifuk with a hat trick, I mean, within arguably 180, 200 seconds, as far as the official timing goes, which in itself was quite remarkable.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. the the whole game was remarkable. If you think about, um, you know, the, the the first goal came I think in the twenty sixth minute, and then the last was in the seventy fourth minute, and that, that's ten goals within that period of time. So it was quite amazing. Plus, uh, you know, Gomez's uh, Penenka penalty was probably the the bit that stinks out in my mind. Uh, but I don't know whether that's slightly cruel uh, doing that against uh, Cowdenbeath when you know when when you're 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 quite a bit up. But yeah, that that's what sticks out in my mind. That game was just. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Everything they hit just went in. Memorable
0: one for you, Lonnie?
1: Yeah, it's not often um, during a match. I have to clarify uh, the number by then (laughs) spelling out the number. I think I had to say (laughs) that's hearts 10. Yes, that's T E N. (laughs) Beath No, it's, it's probably the only time I'll ever commentate on a hearts game. And I have to, to clarify that we are now in double figures. Um, I, I can't imagine it'll happen again. But uh you, you never know. It was just one of those games where Hearts were absolutely on form and, and didn't let up. And Cowden Beef, unfortunately, uh were not. And I think Cowden Beef were, you know, this was the start of them going into free fall. And you you see they now struggle in the, the bottom of the bottom tier. So the fourth tier, they're now it was just one of those games where everything everything went right for hearts. Uh Zayfalk was was on a mission after joining to score as many goals as he can. I was trying to remember, I think he fell short of, I wish I could remember his name, uh, Grant might remember his name, who scored a hat-trick for Hearts. I feel like it was against Arbroath or something many years ago. Um, and I, I wish I had it to, I wish I'd prepared it and had it to Yeah. There, there, was was there was a
2: game, Laurie, uh, where Willie Gibson and uh, Drew Busby scored a hat-trick in the same game against Arbroath. Uh, I think it was... No, it was. It wasn't Mini or the Is that who you're thinking? Or is it? Is it no, later it was. Than that? I, th-
1: I think it might have been earlier, but it was just earlier. the speed, the speed of the hat trick, and I can't.
2: Oh, I, 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 right, okay. In terms of yeah, oh, I can't. Barney
1: Battles,
2: uh, if I was going to guess, I don't know. It was. <laughs> it wasn't.
1: It wasn't as as household a name, but I won't. Right. I won't. I won't try and find it right now when we're on it. Yeah. But, no, it was just uh it was a crazy game all round. I think, and you you kind of feel you did feel a little bit sorry for Cowdenbeath, but yeah, uh, I mean, ten goals for Hearts—what more can you ask for?
0: Yeah, it was an interesting one. Two penalties in the game. Cowdbeast's heaviest loss to that point was 11-1 against Clyde in 1951, but they got well into the expanded. It gave Hearts a 20-point lead over Hebs. Rangers were slightly further behind, but they had games in hand. But, I mean, Hearts were going to canter to the title. They did. They stumbled twice towards the end. They lost at Rangers. They lost at Hebs. Um And the final day of the season, they drew two apiece. The Cup, the cup. Was disappointing that year. It was round two of the Challenge Cup, round three of the League Cup to Celtic, and round four of the Scottish Cup to Celtic as well. In terms of that season and and this kit, uh, I'll I'll ask you both this. I'll ask Laurie first, and then Grant. Which player springs to mind most from that season? Wearing that what what we've described as the most elegant home kit.
1: Um. One of the ones for I mean, there's quite a few that jump out, but one of the ones for me is Jamie Walker, um, who I know is on his way. Is on his way out of Hearts from his second spell as we, as we record this. But I, and I, I don't know if it's because I thought it was quite fitting again with everything we've talked about, because Jamie Walker has links to players of the past. You know, his great uncle Tommy Walker played in not not an era a hundred years ago, but um, certainly a a longer time ago than. Um, Than we are now. Obviously, his namesake Bobby would have been closer to the to that point a, a centenary um, previous. So I, I don't know, Jamie Walker. You know, someone who's come through the youth system. His name is synonymous with Hearts' greats. So I thought it was quite fitting that he played in it. Even his style was is kind of dark hair, the um, the trim back and sides with the kind of sweep over was was quite popular around that time as well and he had he just had a terrific season he got 11 goals at campaign he was young player of the year for hearts he was the fans player of the year for hearts and I think it's probably his second best season he's had in football I know he got a, a, a 15 goal tally a few years later in the top flight but seeing him uh you know running around running right in the in the championship, with some great performances, some big goals against Rangers, against Hibs, I think that was one of the ones that really stands out for me.
0: Grant, in terms of players for you,
2: yeah, I think for me it's probably Gomez. I think I, I, I just think he was a standout that season. I, I think he ended up getting Player of the Year. I didn't think Players' Player of the Year. I think potentially. I was at the. I was he at that. I got, think he,
1: he got. He um, got Gomez. I think he got. Um, Oh that's a good question I saw earlier Walker got I think Walker got fans player And Gomez maybe got players player he got players' yes, player of the year. Yes. So Jamie Walker
0: uh, was the fans' player of the year. He yep. was the young player of the year. Um, goal of the year, almost, Turk. Moment of the year, um, not it voted for me. by Paul no, not voted by, by me. I'm, I'm neutral. I, I wouldn't have done. <laughs> I wouldn't have done such things. Uh, Robbie Nielsen, along the way, picked up four uh, manager of month awards, which which was pretty decent as well. Yep. Um, and in terms of the team of the year that year, Neil Alexander, Ali Mostert, Danny Wilson. I mean, Danny Wilson sometimes got a l- little bit overlooked in that season. Margaró Gomez, Jamie Walker, and Osman Sou. So I mean that 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 was pretty impressive, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, but but there, there's there's a few players. I mean, when you when you go back and you look at the the particular season, I mean the impact that Gennaro Zifuck made. I mean, he played 15 times, he scored 12 goals. Albeit it was the championship. And then, of course, Osman saw 25 games, 12 goals, and eventually netted the club a, a tidy sum of money.
1: Yeah, can I be boring? And I'm going to go back to the Zafok hat-trick. So I, I was right in terms of the link was also a game against Arbroath. So it was Andy Black who ah, scored right, a hat-trick okay. against yep. Arbroath. I knew it was a name that wasn't like a... a a big hearts name from the past. And that was in 1938. So hearts put on their website on the 1st of March, 2015 that Zayfouk scored the fastest in the club's history, um, three minutes and 34 seconds. But when the Scotsman wrote about it, they said um, it equaled the fastest hat trick um, because (laughs) stopwatches in those days were not what they are now. So I don't know if that's the case that we don't have it down to the very second that Andy Black scored the hat-trick just the the minutes, which I imagine were four. So um, we'll maybe never know if it's Mm. the fastest Hearts hat-trick or not if anyone cares. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, nowadays, that's the good thing, is we, we can go back and at, le- and at least look at things. I mean, s- some people think football started 10 years ago or when the Scottish Premiership changed its name. You know, we, we do have a history <laughs> and we've yep. got to appre- appreciate that history going back. Yep. And I think Hearts Hearts do that well. and We, we saw that with, it, with the history. Given the fact that Hearts had played so well, Laurie, you know, to run up against Celtic in both... The League Cup and the Scottish Cup. I, I think there was a little bit of hope that something might go right in the Scottish Cup tie because it was at home. But uh, we, we talked about Margaro Gomez, but I mean he was sent yeah. off after eight minutes and it all went wrong.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we were up against it at that point. We'd already been put out in the League Cup fairly comfortably at Celtic Park, but that game was kind of spoiled. Like I like say, it went into. Yeah. With quite a bit of optimism I think beforehand despite being in the championship but yeah it was like less than 10 minutes in when Gomez got sent off and it's one of those where it's the typical you can say 20 years ago or 20 years prior to that it's uh, deemed a great tackle but in that day and age with the force and I think the way he went in it was always going to be a red card Uh, there was the um, controversial penalty that went against Hearts that day as well when the game was 1-0 I think a certain John Guidetti managed to find an invisible foot of Brad McKay's to trip over in the box, shall we say? But you've got to remember, this was a a, a very good Celtic team. I mean, two, two of the goals were scored by Virgil van Dijk, <laughs> which probably um, shows just the quality they had in their side. So it was unfortunate because we went through a bit of a run around that time and years before and afterwards where we kept getting. It was either Celtic or Hibbs we got in the Scottish Cup. So yeah, disappointing the hearts maybe with, with better luck in the draws could have gone a bit further in the the cup competitions. Yeah,
2: but there's probably there's probably a couple of things that kit wise I wanted to bring up, Laurie, and and you might be able to have a think about this. We wore we wore a away kit at Easter Road twice that season, obviously, and and I was trying to remember the last time we actually wore an away kit at Easter
1: Road. I I remember it was a big deal because when Hibbs came to when Hibbs came to Tynecastle for that second game of the league season, the first home game for Hearts in the league, um, and they wore their white away kit. I remember yep. it was again I've not got it in front of me, so I can't remember exactly, but it was talked about as a a very um, a, a very unlikely thing to happen uh, because Hibs had to wear the change kit, and it was because. Hibs lost this. Uh, they didn't lose them. They didn't. It wasn't. They couldn't find them. But they dropped the white sleeves, and I thought that looked awful. I mean, I'm not a fan of a Hibs kit, and I don't want to make this um, a Hibs related kit discussion. But mm-hmm. Hibs drop dropped their uh, white sleeves for that season, which just looked weird, mm-hmm. and it was a very dark kit. It was very very um, dark. Yeah. So it was weird because they don't usually clash as much as that. But and there have been there have definitely been years in the past where I know that um, Paul will. have probably would have preferred the Edinburgh teams to look at away kits because mm-hmm. like like my father, um I know Paul has a certain colour blindness which can be an issue. And my dad is um I think it's actually red green. So he's told me before when we've went to Edinburgh derbies and it's been a wet it's been a wet day he's like, see when things are going on quickly Laurie I was like I can barely tell which team's which in the box.
0: Yeah I mean you're right. It was that, that green top. I, w- I was actually slightly miffed because I think Hearts and Hibs should be able to, to play each other in their traditional colours. Now, to help colour blind people, so for example, if Hibs were to wear their green jersey with the white sleeves and they'd say green shorts, green socks, Hearts, maroon jersey, white shorts, you know, white socks, mm-hmm. I think it's possible to do and I think the clubs simply have to get together and decide yeah. that and decide who wants to look in what at home and who wants to look, you know, at what away. But the, the, the green was so dark that there was no way. There was not a differentiating factor in the jersey that you could put that up against Maroon. And I just felt they missed a trick there, you know, because I think it's one of the things, and okay, we've seen over the years as well, you know, just to to divert slightly, you know, Hibs and Celtic now never wear, you know, the green-white hoops and the green with the the sleeves against each other, which I think is a bit disappointing to a certain extent. Um, But that said, there's just something not quite right about a derby where the team's not wearing the normal colours.
2: And I, I've heard a I've heard a rumour that there there might be a slight clash uh, for the the game at Easter Road uh, coming up in February because of the colours.
0: So wait and see what happens. The referee is the sole arbiter, by the way, so it's up to the referee to decide um, yeah. whether he's happy or not. But I think what we're seeing now is referees and football bodies are being more educated in terms of what causes colour blind issues. Yeah. And sometimes it's all it's not also the, the, the kits that the, the players are wearing. Sometimes the referees' kits as well um, don't work. Um, you know, and, and we I saw this I've seen this in a couple of games this season where the referees have been in black when another team's been in dark. And you're thinking well why need you stick your yellow jersey on you know so that, that there's various things as as far as that goes that I think you know yeah. we we are taking into account. But it, it's yeah, Hearts and how should play each other in green and maroon and get on with it basically. And the the other thing that I was going to
2: say was I don't think, uh, and again maybe I have to double check, but I don't think the long sleeve Adidas shirt, uh, home shirt was available uh, to buy in the shop.
1: The the home kit.
2: Yep, long sleeve. I don't think was available.
1: I I think it might have been. Do you because- think it was? I think uh, one of my good friends really liked long-sleeve kits. Um, I need to double-check. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was... Maybe the th- he actually couldn't get it that year. I'll have to ask him, but um, you you could be right, but I need to double-check because if there was a long-sleeve available, then he would have got it. He <laughs> did appear.
2: So so they have appeared. You can get them on eBay. They, they have okay, appeared. Okay. Um, and and when we go back to the Oz Turk game, uh, the Goal, uh, the Wraith Rovers game, which was a remembrance kit... The team, the whole team, played in long sleeve shirts that day.
1: Oh, is that when Wraith, Wraith Rovers managed to wear their like black and green number? Which was
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Another, yeah,
1: in- yeah, interesting. Again, had a lot of significance, and it was a, it was a, a poignant kit for many reasons. Yes. but when, if you if you break it down in terms of aesthetics, I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: agreed. Yeah, so they, they were they were a couple of little things that I thought I'd add I'd, I'd, I'd in there, Paul, from a from a kit perspective. But I'd be yeah. quite interested to find out, you know, if if somebody, you know, if, if one of the listeners was able to say when we, what was the last time when was the last time we wore an away kit Easter Road because I, I was trying to think about it and I, I couldn't I couldn't actually remember you know off the top of my head for games that I've been where we've worn a away kit other than that one.
1: I'll ask. Him, I'll have to put it to to Davy Allen because if anyone knows, it'll be Davey Allen of the yeah. Heart, Hearts Heritage account on on Twitter and of uh, and of London Hearts fame. He, he, he'd Sounds be the one to me. ask. He's probably posted it at some point, but I'd have to dig it out.
0: <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, both, both those accounts, by the way, well worth a follow. If you don't follow them already, they are well worth a follow. In terms of just, just sticking it all on the kit, in terms of, you know, if somebody offers you the long sleeve kit, from that year saying, hey, there weren't very many of them here. You you can have this for a fair old price. What are we looking at in terms of people faking it, shall we say?
2: Uh, I I definitely think they're out there because I've seen a couple on eBay. I've seen a couple of people have got them. Uh, They're definitely not faked. Because I think, yeah, I I think they may be anything between 40 and 70 quid now. Because Hearts did bring out a, another version of that, didn't they? Was, which was a, a non-Adidas version, I think, of yeah. the, of, of the yeah. short-sleeved kit uh, as, as well. So there's, they're flying about the place. Um, yeah, I, I think match kits are, are really well sought after in, in, in terms of the, the, the home kit. Um, and I'm still missing, if anyone's listening out there, I'm still remem- <laughs> missing a remembrance kit from that season, match-worn. I'd love to get one. Because I've only I've only got to get another one and that's uh, the whole lot done. So there's a bit of a plug. But yeah, they are, they are <laughs> rare as hen's teeth.
0: I now feel like Noel Edmonds on Swap Shop. Grant, what would you be <laughs> willing to give up to get the Adidas long sleeve jersey? Uh, there, there's always stuff that's uh, available for swap. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, j- just before we finish, you mentioned you like the goalkeeper's jersey from this particular year.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a classic, isn't it? Maybe not for the kit, man, but the, the white the white kit is just a touch of class. Yeah, and, and Neil Alexander looked great in it, and I'm sure it inspired him to some brilliant games as well. I just, I, I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic.
0: Laurie, Laurie where do you stand on goalkeeper kits? I mean, in terms of, you know, traditional yellow, or, oh, it always used to be yellow or green, didn't I? I mean, not, not for hearts, yeah, obviously. You're thinking the, of
1: the three keepers.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was your choice, wasn't it? You can have a yellow one or a green one.
1: Where do you stand I, on goalies wearing white? Um, I would normally say I'm not a massive fan, but uh, I quite like this season's white goalkeeper kit. Although I don't know if it's because it's a goalkeeper kit, I just quite like it as a as a kit. But yeah, I'm I'm very much uh, probably a yellow or a grey for a he- keeper kit. I just think of Ante. Um, I don't know why that's when I think of keeper kits that I like. So yeah, yellow works for me. And again, I thought it looked quite traditional that season, which fitted in. Um, fed in well The yellow one that is With the, the rest of the theme uh, We got some messages as well I thought we, we got some messages on Twitter about that season's kit So I thought I'd quickly throw these in here um, Scott McIntosh who does let lets it run Which again in terms of Twitter account plugs Also one worth following the um, is. In terms of games He says the um, away kit he remembers uh, matches such as the cold January trip to Aloha. He says we won 4-1 and Payardo scored a screamer. It was an evening match for our BBC Alba and on the bus we got radio updates that Nadi has scored a last-minute goal at Easter Road. And he also mentioned the other game he remembered was the 3-0 win at Falkirk, which eventually confirmed the league because Rangers won at Easter Road the following day. Um, I thought that was another thing that was quite poignant about that season, and just in terms of seeing that kit, but watching it in places like Alawa, um, away to Queen of the South with a lot of traditional terracing, or in the case of Alawa, barely terracing, just a, an area <laughs> behind the goal. Um, it felt like a, a bygone era, and we were wearing a traditional kit, but it was 2014, 2015. I thought that kind of felt quite fitting at times. And that season, it was a nice novelty. Um, we didn't plan to do the championship second time around which was less of a novelty but that time around it was a bit of a novelty um catch 22 said favorite barista of all time kenny anderson wore this famous kit <laughs> what an asset he was in the tea room um in terms of moments you and anson said is turk at easter road for the awake it. all other answers are wrong uh, and look, Paul Mitchell will probably have a better <laughs> moment than that one. Um, HM Foxrock Charlie says best moment for the home kit. Danny Wilson scoring against the jurors and not celebrating. And Away says can only be Uz Turk's Thunderbastard. At Easter Road um, and it was funny you said about the Awake kit because Pete Barber said I feel like the Awake kit was rather underrated even though I wasn't overly keen at the time uh, but now that I look back it's actually a quality kit and I wish I'd picked one up which um, is maybe a sentiment echoed by others given mm. what we were talking about earlier mm.
0: Yeah the, the strange thing about uh, Kenny Anderson he actually once scored the winner against Feyenoord
1: in a 1-0 game
0: <laughs> it It's almost hard to believe um but Gave up uh, playing
1: not very, like in his twenties still I think didn't he he didn't yeah
0: he, he he signed for a team called quick boys which 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 <laughs> makes you just wonder quite um hmm. uh it was a, that was an amateur club basically he went back to his original club of Wallach um and and then just drifted drifted down um He's yeah, still in his twenties now. <laughs>
1: Is he? Yeah, uh, yeah he's he's twenty nine. He doesn't turn thirty till next month. It's just, just unbelievable. It just just
0: didn't work for him. Uh no. his 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 dad um was a Dondonian. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was born in the Netherlands. Kenny Anderson, a great story. Just unfortunately didn't work. And sometimes <laughs> well, you, you look at players and you think, my goodness, yeah, I remember them briefly. Hassanou is getting getting off scot free here as well, isn't
2: he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cameron I Anderson could probably be talked about in the same breath I would mean, think. He, 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 he didn't set the Heather on fire either, did he, really? To say the least, yeah. yeah,
1: he's, he's, yeah. he's probably. He's he stopped playing as well in his 20s. So I don't right. know where we find all these players who then just pack it
2: in. <laughs> there's, there's a few of them. There's a, that, that could be another podcast on its, on its oh, own, Laurie. That could be a whole series.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: there
2: yeah. was one other thing I wanted to bring up in terms of kits. There is a. And I don't know if you were at this game, Laurie or, or Paul. Uh, East Fife friendly beginning of the season, Neil Alexander wore a pink goalkeeper kit. Now, Ooh, if you think a long sleeve remembrance shirt from that season's rare, but the pink goalkeeper kit made one appearance. That was the game. Never to be seen again. If that ever pops up, um, you know, that, that's, a, that, that's super rare.
1: What did the outfield players wear? Because I can't, I don't think I went to that game. I can't remember. Oh, that.
0: Now, now you're asking. Now you're asking. Well, I, ah, worked recent, I worked recently with Neil Alexander at a, at a game at Easter Road, a Hibs Rangers game. If I work with him again in the near future, I'm going to ask him if he's got that pink goalie's jersey sitting up in his loft that he'd be prepared to give away to somebody that I know who would certainly, <laughs> certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, gen- gentlemen, uh, it's been a whirlwind trip around the 2014-2015 season, a successful season for Hearts on the field and a successful season off the field after some rather turbulent times going around. That is the full-time whistle on the season. The Hearts Kits used. It's time to pop them back in the drawer and ready ourselves for another kit adventure. We'd love your feedback. Thank you to Laurie for reading out the tweets and things that we got. Please drop them in. We're delighted to get them and anything you'd like to ask or suggest for us to cover. Special thanks to Laurie for joining us. My thanks to Grant as well and to you for listening. Remember, as it's often said around Timecastle Way, blood doesn't show on a maroon jersey. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.
1: There's nothing more I can think of to say to you.